cry. I'm just walking down the cereal aisle in Woolies. And immediately I knew that that was anxiety. What's been happening? Ah, yes, I understand. This anxiety is coming on. I understand it. Anxiety is completely normal. That it comes and goes in the face of a challenge, an opportunity, and things we care about. Welcome to Building Doors. In this series, you'll develop the skills to build a roadmap for success, get inspired by those leaders who have come before you, and give you the confidence to stop waiting and start building. Welcome to the Building Doors podcast. In this episode, I really wanted to get in and have a chat about something that we don't often talk about. And yet I know so many business owners and people I've been speaking with are grappling with. And that is dealing with the complex realm of anxiety in our businesses and careers. In this episode, we're delighted to have with us Dr. Jody Richardson, who is one of Australia's foremost experts in managing anxiety. Dr. Jody is a professional speaker, a best-selling author, and a dedicated mother of two. Dr. Richardson's work revolves around supporting parents and teachers to change their relationship with anxiety, as well as tuning it down to empower our children and students. Her book, Anxious Kids and Anxious Mums, have made a significant impact, shedding light of the world of anxiety in families. We're thrilled to have her with us here today. Thank you so much for being a guest, Dr. Jody. I really appreciate you coming on. And, and as I've shared with you, I listen to your podcast. It definitely provides me a lot of comfort and advice and, and ideas as well that I often share with friends and other business owners. So thank you. Firstly, thank you for creating that podcast to help so many people. Absolute pleasure. And thank you for inviting me to be on your beautiful podcast as well. It's yeah, it's so lovely to reconnect. Yes, yes. Look, I wanted to start with Getting stuck into it and learning a little bit more around your personal journey and how this came about for you. So what led to you starting this podcast and this journey around anxiety being that focus? Where did that come from for you, whether that be career-wise or with your family? Where did that start? It all really started, I guess, when I experienced depression when I was teaching. So I started my career as a as a teacher, a secondary teacher. And what I didn't know at the time was that I was living with undiagnosed anxiety and mm. an undiagnosed disorder. And so life for me was hard in terms of I had lots of worries and lots of all the physical symptoms that come with anxiety, but no understanding that that was you know, the cause of it, that was what mm. was underpinning it. And eventually, because it was untreated for so long, unrecognized, eventually my nervous system was just like, hey, that's enough. <laughs> Can't keep doing this. And so my journey through depression was really difficult. But coming out the other side of it, I realized, hey, this and learning that I had unrecognized anxiety and then starting the treatment for that. And that's been a, a journey to today as well. That when I realized mental health is a huge challenge for, has been for me and for others, I left teaching to go and work for Beyond Blue because I felt that I really feel so strongly now about helping other people to understand their own mental health. So that was, that was a long time ago. That was in 2001. Mm. And between then and now, I've done a PhD and a honors and then a PhD and done a lot of other studies around physiology, mental health, well-being, mm. behavioural therapy, and 
ultimately it was in the pandemic living here in Victoria, I thought, you know what, I know a lot about this stuff. This is my profession as a professional speaker. I can't really get on stages. We're all locked down. How can I share what I know and help people and make it accessible and really make a difference Mm. when we're all struggling so much. And that's really where the podcast idea came from. And then it was a lot of anxiety getting started because it just felt very difficult, but I did it anyway. Yeah, that's awesome. So what was the moment for you where you knew that you had to change something in your own life? Because I'm I'm sure there's people listening there and going, maybe I do have a bit of anxiety. I, I don't know if it is or if it isn't. Was there a moment for you that you started to go, hang on, this excessive level of worry or these feelings aren't normal? No, I just thought that's how everybody else lived. Wow. I really didn't know. Yeah. No, I didn't have a clue. You know, as a teenager, I'd been diagnosed with asthma because I had so much trouble with my breathing. Yeah. Because when, and your listeners, and you will maybe know this too, Lauren, even now we tend to hold our breath when we're on our emails or on a call. We just don't tend to breathe well. And when you've got anxiety, you often breathe quite short and shallow. And so then you you try to get a satisfying sort of full, easeful breath and you can't. So after the GP, I went and I was diagnosed with asthma and prescribed Ventolin. You know, as a kid at primary school, I felt sick all the time, would say, I don't want to go to school, mm. but nobody got it. It was really only, I ended up experiencing a major depressive disorder, mm-hmm. which when I looked, that was what sent me to the GP because I was a young adult. And I looked at the circumstances of my life, which the research will actually tell us don't contribute a huge amount to our overall happiness and well-being, but Mm -hmm. they do contribute. But I looked at the circumstances and I thought, right, I've got a job I love. I've got a partner or a boyfriend who I eventually married. We were buying our own place. I had good physical health, still playing sport, lots of great friends, happy family. Mm. We were buying a puppy. And so all of that kind of on the face of it should have made for a a happy, relaxed, sort of content young person, Mm. but I couldn't stop crying. Mm. I just couldn't stop crying. I felt miserable and hopeless. So that was, I guess, why I went to the GP to say, hey, this just doesn't add up. Something's wrong. I've no idea what, but hopefully you can help me. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And thank you for sharing that story because I think it helps people maybe identify what they might be going through in their own journey as well. One of the things I'm interested in as well is you knew you'd dealt with anxiety and things like that. And then you've started a podcast and a business, which we all know uh, (laughs) can induce a fair bit of anxiety. I'm fascinated by this because I have moments I'm up at 3am thinking about things myself. So I'm very interested in how does someone do that? How did you go through that journey and build a business while dealing with those struggles as well and, and your own personal journey? It probably has taken me longer to get to where I am now because of it. I would say that looking back that there's that discomfort that comes with anxiety and I'm, I'm medicated for my anxiety now and mm. so I, and I have a lot of tools in my toolkit but there's still those feelings that come up around things that are difficult and it is, it's risk-taking, it's uncertainty, it's, you know, I, I was up not last night but the night before, I was up for a few hours in the middle of the night because I was thinking about things related to work and I ended up watching a doco series on Netflix for way too long <laughs> but I think really what's driven me is being very purpose-led and feeling very strongly that, well, I want people to know 
so much of what I've learned and continue to learn and I really want to make it this kind of psychoeducation and these strategies and these ideas available to people. So even though I do find it hard sometimes, I'm really sort of driven forward by my North Star, which is really just this deep want, need, mission to make a difference for others so that they can live a different life if anxiety is a part of it than I did for so long. So tell us more. You've said now you've got a lot of tools in your toolkit, right? I'd love to know more about that. Tell me more about some of the tools that you use in your toolkit that you've developed over these decades of knowledge. One of the things that is there are some really key fundamentals for me and it's quite interesting looking back, not sort of having my anxiety identified until my mid-20s, I look back and I can see that exercise has been a really integral part to my anxiety management, even though I didn't know I was struggling with anxiety. So Mm. it was a huge part of what I I did to, I guess, look after myself and it made me feel good. And so therefore it was something I kept going back to. So just this morning, I did a CrossFit class at nine o'clock till 10 o'clock because my sleep is the other real fundamental and I won't sacrifice my sleep to get up for an early class. Mm -hmm. And therefore I go at nine till 10, which eats into a chunk of my workday, but it's really that important for me and that's a priority. So, so sleep is huge. I really put strict boundaries around my sleep. Mm. When it comes to other strategies, some of the things that have been incredibly powerful have been around I guess two things, down-regulating my physiology when anxiety shows up so I can recognise it. Mm. And just recently I was in Woolworths, I was at Woolies going to get some wheat bix for my 15-year-old who goes through wheat bix, you know, as fast as most other 15-year-old boys, I'm sure. I eat so <laughs> much, yes. I know, I know. And I was walking down the cereal aisle and I felt this overwhelming sense of, teariness and emotion sort of bubbling up in me. And I thought, I could just cry. I'm just walking down the cereal aisle in Woolies. And immediately I knew that that was anxiety. And then I could, mm-hmm. you know, as we do, we want to understand why I connected. What's been happening? Ah, yes, I understand. This anxiety is coming on. I understand it. And in that moment, I need the classic and really helpful way to think about breaking that cycle of those physical symptoms is to get out of our head and into our body. And so I used my breath and my senses. So as I walked down the aisle, I looked for the colours that I could see and I silently named myself. I can see orange, I can see blue, there's green, there's red, there's the wheat bix, better grab those, there's purple. Mm. And so when we can become more present and mindful in the moment, that can help to settle and dial that anxiety down. Mm. And the breath is another one. If we can lengthen our exhale, breathe in through our nose, breathe out through our nose, if we can lengthen our exhale, that can really show the part of our brain that has detected a threat and turned on our brains and body's alarm system that we're safe. Mm. But it's very individual. A lot of people will have find that this idea of maybe discharging the that mobilizing response that comes with anxiety through a 20-second sort of sprint on the spot or shaking it out. Others Mm. will find that tuning into their breath and grounding through their senses and connecting with the floor that we're standing on. It's very individual and it's a little bit of trial and error, I think, to find what works. 
What do you do with the anxious thoughts process as well? So there's that, you've got the physiological side of it. Do you have a little hack for the uh, the thoughts? I do. I do. So one of the things that helps is for us to be able to, first of all, step out of what we're thinking and sort of zoom out. So sometimes we get really swept away by our anxious thoughts and it's hard to recognise that we're having thoughts. So the first thing is to recognise, oh, I'm having a thought, sort of step back a little bit, zoom out if you like, and to use a couple of strategies. There are lots of these that I teach about, but one of the ones that works for me is I'll say to myself, I notice I'm having the thought that, or thank you, mind. Thank you for sharing that same old story with me again, and I'll name the story or I'll give my anxiety a name or I'll give my brain a name, and it's Sam for me. And I'll say, oh, thanks, Sam. Oh, thanks for bringing that to my attention. Uh, But no, thanks. (laughs) Yeah. And so the thinking, it's very important, I think, for us all to know that we have thoughts. We are not our thoughts. Not everything we think is true. But we can focus our attention on the thoughts that are helpful. So we can ask ourselves, is it helpful? If I'm thinking, I'll give you an example. So... Tomorrow, we've got, so I was saying to um, Lauren off air that we've got a shower being tiled and grouted and I've got to get up in the morning, I've got to go and pick up the new shower fittings and drop off tiles that didn't match and I've got a son to get to cricket, I've got a daughter to get to soccer and somewhere in there I need a coffee. Um, (laughs) And so I could be thinking, oh, so much to do tomorrow, how am I going to get it all done? And then I could say, right, okay, I'm, I'm worried about, am I going to be able to do everything and and get everyone where they need to be? And I could say, is that helpful? I could say, well, it's helpful to a point, but what would be more helpful would be to schedule it, write it down, get it on paper, and then make a plan for it. Hmm. But if I was having a thought that tomorrow that, oh, I'm never going to get it done, I'm not not going to have time to, to do anything else for myself, how am I going to get on top of the washing and what about the shopping, which actually my husband does, but all of the other things we care for his mum as well. If I was having thoughts that were really spiralling and saying to me, oh, tomorrow's just going to go, I was going to say to the dogs, I don't like that expression because I love dogs, but you know, tomorrow's just going to all fall apart. And I say, is that helpful? I could say, no, that's not helpful. What would be helpful would be to think about it, plan, ask for help where necessary, divide it between Peter and myself who also plays cricket tomorrow. Mm. And so this idea of recognising that we're having a thought, sort of zooming out a little bit and going, right, is that helpful? Yes or no? Usually no. (laughs) Uh, Usually no. And then what can I do that is helpful to move forward in this moment when I'm feeling anxious and worried? Oh, I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Because the reason I wanted to talk about it, let's be honest, there is a lot of uncertainty in the business world right now. I mean, we've got rising cost of living. We've got people that might be renting and not knowing whether they're going to have housing security. There's a lot of unknowns. What advice would you give to people that are facing a bit of uncertainty in their own life or career and or even business for business owners as well? How can we, you've come up with your own way of keeping on top of it. How can we keep on top of our mental health as well as a community? One of the things that is really powerful for us all to think about is what is within and what is outside of our control. Mm. And the uncertainty that you mentioned is what drives 
anxiety. That was why so much about the pandemic caused so much in the way of mental health challenges for all of us. Yeah. And so there's a an idea that if we focus on what we can control, then we can have more control and certainty around those elements mm. of our life and our business. Those that are outside of our control that are causing stress and anxiety, and anxiety really triggers the stress response. Mm. It's incredibly powerful to write them down. And the act of simply writing them down is getting them out of your head and onto your paper. Mm. That's a first step that can just lessen the activation of our nervous system. Mm -hmm. And then once they're on paper, you can have a look at each individual challenge and ask, what can I control here? What can't? Or how could I get more control around this? And I'll give you another example. I, I was having a photo shoot yesterday and I was chatting to the hair and makeup artist and you know, about where she works. And she was saying she works with somebody else who is a photographer, not the photographer I had yesterday, but another photographer who was the space that she was renting as a an indoor studio space for her shoots. The rent had gone up. Mm. And in wearing that cost and having not necessarily yet passed that cost on to her clients, she, this particular person, I don't even know who it is, but the financial outcome of that rent raise was meaning she wasn't really getting a lot out of the whole day's work, taking photographs for mm. her clients. And so under those circumstances where well, you can't control the rise in the rent, that's outside of your control, but you can control what space you book mm. for future or subsequent studio bookings. And yep. so there are some things that we just can't change. And around those things that we can't change, one of the things that can help is developing an acceptance of what's outside of our control and being able to recognize, hey, this makes me feel quite worried and I have uncertainty about what's going to happen. Feeling like that is not easy to name it, name how you feel so that you can, that alone, the research tells us, if you can just say, I feel quite worried or uncertain or overwhelmed, just really naming how we feel can help to reduce that stress activation in our body, mm -hmm. but also just to have this level of acceptance that this is how things are. I'm not alone in how hard this is and to be kind to ourselves and to really give ourselves some compassion where things are happening that we just can't change that are going to affect our businesses. Thank you. So many good tips there. The other side I wanted to talk about is when you're a leader and you're dealing with challenges within your own team or perhaps your family member or a partner, what way can we provide support? And we'll get onto kids soon as well, of course, because I know you, you know so much about that topic. What ways can you provide support as a leader of a team and also a partner? One of the things that helps a lot is to let your team or your partner know that you are there to listen. Mm. And if they choose to talk to you, that we, I say we as those people who have team members or partners, remind ourselves that the best thing we can do for someone is show them that they're not alone in how they're feeling mm. rather than trying to offer solutions. Mm. Sometimes solutions are required, but not in that moment and maybe not ever. And so 
I think really reminding ourselves that when somebody shares how they're struggling with us, the very best and kindest and most supportive thing we could do is to share some empathy Mm. and really validate how they're feeling by saying, hey, I'm so glad you told me. Thanks so much for sharing with me. That sounds like you're going through a really hard time. Mm. And to even possibly say, I've been through what you've been through, not to make it about us at all, but just to say, understand how hard this is. Mm. How can I help? Or just remembering we have two ears and one mouth and just to listen more than we speak because the simple opportunity to share for someone who's struggling uh, can be so healing for them and they can it can help them to process what they might need to do about whatever situation is challenging them as well. Oh, I love that's a really good example of what you can do because I think so often people do jump to solution. Someone comes with you with a problem, you want to fix it, right? But at the end of the yes. day, we all know people often want to be validated and heard and have their emotion kind of held with the other person. I know that sounds a really strange way of describing it, but yes. that's how I've described it to people before. It's about holding that emotion with them and just being that safe space to validate what they're feeling as well. Exactly. What about kids, right? So I've been talking to a lot of, um, unfortunately, I get both sides. So I talk to business owners and leaders and, and I talk about some of their own personal struggles in their team. But then I also talk to a lot of other mums because, as you know, I've got young kids and I have heard of it becoming more prevalent, especially post-COVID and things like that, of some anxiety showing up in our kids. What can we do there to be able to, I guess, what should we look for firstly to see if our kids may be experiencing those emotions. Yes, anxiety is more common than ever before. It was an epidemic before the pandemic. (laughs) The best thing I think I can say is that when it comes to anxiety, there are two things. Number one, avoidance and anxiety go hand in hand. Mm. And so look out for the things that your child or teen doesn't want to do. And that could be anything from separating from you to going to a party they're invited to, going to school, uh, signing up for the local theatre performance. Mm -hmm. And avoidance can be sort of at a macro level in terms of very, very easy to see that my child does not want to do this one thing that I I really am surprised about, things Mm -hmm. that they've done before. Avoidance can also be avoidance of the discomfort and that can show in reassurance seeking. Mm -hmm. And so this idea, and this is what I did as a kid, I was a kid with a head full of worries and all I did to my poor mum, can you just imagine being my mum with a kid that half a dozen to a dozen times a day would share a worry about anything and everything and mum would just say to me, really she'd just reassure me and say, it'll be okay, it'll be okay, don't worry. And somehow magically in my mind, just getting that would reduce those feelings of anxiety for me and I could go about what I was doing. So I was avoiding, I mean, I didn't know, but I was avoiding that discomfort Mm. by seeking that reassurance. And beneath the actions and behaviours that we see as parents, there are thoughts like anxious thoughts and bodily sensations that all make sense in the context of anxiety Mm. as well as emotions. Mm. I think it's also important for parents to know, and this is a really big one, is that anxiety is completely normal, that it comes and goes in the face of a challenge, an opportunity, and things we care about. 
Mm. And so normal anxiety settles down as a stressor comes and goes. Yep. Anxiety that is a problem is frequent and is extreme and is getting in the way of a child being able to do activities of daily functioning like going to school. Yes. Okay. That's some really good indicators and I appreciate you sharing that with us. So if we see that in our kids and things like that, what are some strategies we can do as a parents to help them through those moments? Because I know you've created books and things like that and I'd love you to share some ideas that we can incorporate as parents around that. Yes. Well, one of the things that we can do, in fact, one of the most important things and parents listening, I tell you what, I Lauren and I both get what it's like to be running a business and to be a leader and have lots of people relying on us. And and then having anxious kids is nothing like anxiety in the family to create a lot of anxiety for us. Yeah. One of the greatest things that we can do that's incredibly powerful for our children is to take excellent care of ourselves and look after our own nervous system. So if we feel a lot of stress and anxiety in ourselves to set aside time and find the right strategies for us to settle ourselves back down into the what's called ventral vagal uh, state of our nervous system or into what's otherwise called rest and digest so that we, when we come into our family, that we can share that calm. And that's called co-regulating. One of the great ways that children learn to regulate themselves is in the presence of a regulated adult who cares for them. Mm. And it's not easy. And I work sort of school hours mostly, although I think I'm going to be working way into tonight with all of the things on my list. But something else that I think can help is taking advantage of what Dr. Adam Fraser has coined as the third space, which is between work and home. And for many of us, work is home. Mm. So I don't really have a third space other than the car trip to the high school. Mm-hmm. Really using that time wisely if you are commuting mm-hmm. between wearing one hat and putting the other hat on. So take that time to reflect and maybe a pat on the back for a win, park something that might be worrying you in a in a journal or in your you know, I have a Remarkable, I love my Remarkable, which is a digital notepad, park something to come back to Mm -hmm. and sort of give yourself an opportunity to kind of reflect, relax in some ways that you can sort of let go of where you were and then bring your attention to how you want to show up in the next space, which is with your family. They're just a couple of ideas to keep in mind because I think when we're trying to put two hats on at once, yes. we're deep in work mode but trying to be present. We don't do either well. No. And I think it's good advice and Kate Toon says this as well. Take one hat off, put the other hat back on, be present with your kids when you're with them and return to work and set those boundaries for the family too. So if you do need to pick up your laptop or do a little bit more that you're left uninterrupted and that you can get that done so that you can return to family life as well. Oh, what you said just resonated with me because I am the mum that's not quite finished when I'm picking up my child. So I'm still on the phone trying to wrap up a call. Meanwhile, my child's running out and might be dealing with, you know, my daughter's coming like a cyclone of emotions of what she wants to tell me that's happened that day or so-and-so took her pen or something happened here and she, like all good stuff too. Sometimes you won an award and so often 
and, and I'm sure you can resonate this running a business, that time between pickup, drop off and things like that, the day goes so fast and the yes. work can creep into that time or that precious time with our children. And then what happens is, or what definitely happens for me, is that stress that I'm feeling through fighting fires all day as a business owner, then that is in my body. It is in my body language. It is in my, and so my children are coming to me and it's not always the case, of course, but they're coming to me with their stresses and I can't, you can't co-regulate if you're not there, if your stress isn't intact first before you meet them there. And it's such an important thing that I think not many people talk about. And it's the biggest struggle I find. Work-life balance as a business owner isn't just about time with both. It's like, how do you create a balance as a business owner or as a leader? Because leaders have the same thing. The phone doesn't stop ringing when you've got a team and everyone knows that. But how do you create that balance for yourself between your family and being present there and being present for your team because we don't want our family to get the last of us at the end of the day. It's so important and it's it's how do we want to show up and as business owners we do it for lots of reasons. I mean I can only speak for myself. I love my work so much. I'm just so lucky that I get paid for it. Yeah. <laughs> and if we can create a business for ourselves that is really meaningful to us, then we do want to dive in. We we don't feel like we have to like, oh, thank goodness I can shut the laptop and oh, don't have to clock on till nine o'clock the next day. So, but I read a quote recently and it's it's a little bit of a stab to the heart, but it was it was a quote that said, your colleagues and clients will not remember how long your days were at work, but your family will. Mm. And I was like, Oh, (laughs) I know, I know. And so, yes, and that being present, our daughter, like our daughter, our son and our daughter are really different and our son is 15 and really studious, really academic. Our daughter is so bright but very playful at school and so she was last night at the table reading. So I don't really get to see her work. I often get emails from teachers saying things are overdue. She's also been dealing with chronic illness and that doesn't help as well because lots of absences, but we're on top of that now, which is amazing. Mm. She was reading from her language and literature book. All of these pieces, they sometimes get 10 minutes to do a writing piece. Mm. And she has the most incredible flair for the written language. Things like I turn on my heels to hurry back and it's like I turn on my heels and just little expressions that just show a real grasp of the English language. And As she was reading them to me, I thought I'm putting down my rubber gloves because I was cleaning up the kitchen. I'm going to just sit at the table and listen. And every part of me was thinking, there was a part of me thinking, oh, I've still got to do that email and, oh, there's dishes to go, you know, away and all of the things to do. But I thought, no, I want to be really present. She wants to share this for me. And more and more, I just try to really think about being in that moment and that moment soon passes and off they go. And then you can get on with the other things that you need to do. But the time with our families is so precious and that's what we will miss when they're grown up. Yes. And so I really think that that idea about how do I want to show up when I'm in work mode, I'm in work, and when I'm with my family and with my children, I'm present for it. 
And so you can forge those memories and have those experiences. And the kids know when we're only half listening. Oh, they do. They know. Yeah. And they don't feel, and eventually they won't come to us. They, they'll just probably go, well, because that listening, that attention is about showing our care. Mm. Like I say this as somebody who's on this journey as well because my mind drifted and, and I'm like, come back to the listening, come back to the focus. And for anyone listening, if you are feeling like, oh, this is resonating and maybe you're feeling like, oh, I don't know that I've been as present as I would have liked. I just think show yourself lots of love and compassion. And I guess opportunities like these conversations give us all a chance to kind of rethink and reset and move forward with a different point of view. So if you are feeling a little bit oh, like that's a, it's a hard truth, I get it. And um yeah, be kind to yourself and be grateful for an opportunity to think about things a little bit differently. Absolutely. I have a saying with all of my friends that are mothers, and I say this to them all the time, we are all perfectly imperfect. Yes. So it, it is great to continue learning and growing and developing, but beating ourselves up about what we could, should, would or have done in the past isn't helpful. But I completely agree with you, giving ourselves that compassion to go, okay, there are moments in time where I wasn't great at that, but guess what? I'm perfectly imperfect as a parent and I'm learning <laughs> to parent just like my child's learning. This isn't some, a journey that any of us have gone on before. So I completely agree with what you're saying there. I'll tell you a story. Last night, I'd had a really busy day. Um, my husband's away in Sydney. I'm on my own with the two kids. There's hobbies every day. So I'm painting a picture here with what we're navigating right now. And I've got a team and it's busy. And it's bedtime, right? And I'm exhausted. I'd been sick earlier on in the week, a, a lot going on personally as well. No husband, no backup. No family helping out, just myself running the business and running the hobbies. And we had hobbies every single day. Exhausted, right? It's bedtime. <laughs> My daughter, I can't sleep. I'm having lots of thoughts. Okay. So first reaction. It's okay. Go to sleep. Go to sleep. You please, know, go yes, to sleep. please go to sleep. It's eight o'clock. <laughs> go to sleep, please. And then she's like, but I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. I keep, I keep thinking about the picture that I saw on YouTube. And I was like, when I was two, I was like, what? <laughs> What? <laughs> what picture on YouTube? And she goes, just the scary man. And she's like, I keep thinking. And I was like, okay, so we're having some thoughts here when we're trying to go to bed. And she goes, yeah, and that's all I see. And I was like, okay, okay, that, that would be scary. But we want to go to sleep, don't we? And so I had a choice. And, and you know, I don't always make the right one, but this time I made the right one. I was like, okay, she needs me right now. I'm, yes. I, I'm tapped out. I'm tired. Yes. I've had people need me all day. I finally got them to bed after, you know what it's like getting kids to bed. I'm fine. We're in the bed. We just need the sleep. Yes. And I said to her, okay, so what some of the things that we can imagine to help us think good thoughts? What are your, some of your favorite things? You know, we just went to Hawaii as a family. There's so many nice good memories there. I said, and you love cotton candy. Imagine if you're like floating on a cloud of cotton candy and you're watching unicorns jump over and you could count those unicorns. Well, it bloody worked. She went to sleep <laughs> and this morning I woke up and this was the best moment. I was walking past getting ready for work and she goes, mommy, I love you. And she said, you made me sleep better and you helped me, you helped me get rid of the bad dreams. Oh. I'm getting emotional thinking about it because it was like I had had such a hard day and I, in that moment I had a choice and we don't always make the right one, but I made the right one and I talked yes. the time and I think of it this way and I go, 
these are the things they're going to remember. So let's slow down yes. and take the time yes. no matter what. And I wanted to share that story because let me tell you, mentally I was not there. I was not yes. on cotton candy myself, right? <laughs> um, but I had to get my kid on cotton candy with unicorns. So <laughs> yeah. I, I know exactly what you mean. And I think the more we think about it, the more we start to make better choices in our own life and more conscious choices of being present. I know, I know. And that Gosh, I mean, we all of your listeners will be totally nodding if, if they've got kids. It's just we, it's like almost I've laughed before and sort of said, I mean, I'm not a grumpy person. You know, I, I think I do. I know I get to a certain point of the day where I just don't have anything left to give. I know. And it's often when things happen, like you were saying, that really challenge us and, and expect us to sort of draw quite deep on you know, regulating ourselves and offering something to our kids that can be really helpful for them. And so I applaud you for being able to do that. And they do, they do appreciate it. And eventually we get to sit on our bum and put Netflix on eventually. You know, (laughs) that's what relaxes you. And that's what relaxes me. Me too. I love just sitting and watching something for an hour at night. And yeah, my kids are a bit older. So we all, we actually all watch something together now. Nice. And which is just divine. It's actually very special. But, oh, and, and especially when our daughter, because she, for the last couple of years, she's had chronic gut and headache challenges. And mm. incidentally, she's on an iron supplement now. It is making the most profound difference to how she's feeling. Mm. But she's had so much time off. And at times where I just could not give her what she needed during the day and I had that and I'm a bit embarrassed to say it, but I'll say it because it's the truth. And I had some resentment that, oh my gosh, you're supposed to be at school. Like, mm. but also the the pain of the emotional pain of what the heck's wrong? And when are we going to get to the bottom of this? And how much school are you missing? And mm. you know, the heart strings being sort of pulled and the heartbreaking because we don't understand how we can help her, but also a certain sort of selfish response too that how can I keep coping with this as well and still try to produce a weekly podcast and go and speak to people at events and give everything that I've got to give when I'm just barely keeping my head above water. Yeah. So it really is tough. It really is tough. So, so it's just awesome that we can have chats like these and kind of be honest and share how hard it is and how we cope and that sometimes we don't cope and that's what we need a good cry and a, and a good cuppa. <laughs> exactly. And then you have people say to all the, I'm sure you have, it. I have people say, I don't know how you do it. How do you yeah. do it? How do you do it all? And you're like, some days you're like, well, not well all the time. <laughs> that's how, <laughs> that's <it. laughs> you know, yeah. because there's no, there's nothing that makes it easier for anybody else to do it. But it's also the fact I wanted to talk to you about as well. I think it's important to talk about juggling families and business and careers because so often we get into work and it's not socially really acceptable in every workplace to talk about what's going on with your family life. I mean, you can sometimes, but I know a lot of people that are very private about that. So what that often means is they don't necessarily have anyone to talk to about what's going on. And that's another important thing, you know, that I want, and I'm glad you shared that because people are dealing with those things at home. You're not alone if you are a parent dealing with those struggles yourself. We're all out here with you. You're not on your own. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So in terms of your, I guess, work that you're doing now or your life's work around anxiety, what impact, because you've told me and you mentioned earlier on, it's very purpose-led, which I love, and that helps drive that business too. What is the impact you want to have in the world for the work that you're doing? 
Wow, thank you for asking that question. It's such a big question. And I am a classic example of having made my work from my wounds in a sense in that I've struggled with my mental health and I feel very strongly about helping other people to understand their mental health and to really be able to manage it and live a rich life even if anxiety or another mental health challenge is part of it. Mm. And so I have different missions for sort of, I guess, different groups. So when I talk to teachers, I really really want them to know how important it is for them to take care of their own personal mental health and well-being because of the impact that that'll have on the students. Mm. I want young people to understand anxiety is a completely normal human emotion. It's nothing to be afraid of. For them to know that there is an alarm in their brain, we all have an alarm in our brain that is meant to sound when our lives are in danger. Mostly it's just because something's uncertain. Mm. And that when that alarm sounds, we feel it in our body. But just because that alarm is sounding does not mean we need to step away and pull back. If we know it, we can recognize it, we know what to do about it, and that we can even take that all of those feelings forward with us to do mm. what we need to do. I just would dearly love for, you know, if my message could spread, and it does spread globally because of the podcast, thank goodness, but just for people to know, anxiety does not have to be a stop sign. It doesn't have to be something that makes your world small because it really can, Mm. that we don't get rid of it. We don't want to. We want our kids to to sense and detect if they're being followed or if they're out on their own and they're on a train carriage and a big group of youth hop on that look like they're there to cause trouble, that they'll heed that warning when their alarm in their brain goes off and move carriages. Mm. So we don't get rid of it just understanding why it shows up, doing the things that stop that alarm being so sensitive to threat, to dial down the response when the alarm goes off and to be able to move forward and do all the things that you want to do. I never would have, if I had listened to my anxiety, I never ever would have started my podcast, which has opened so many doors for me professionally, but it's also just filled my cup as a learner and Mm. as a person who loves to connect, who loves to help. So if anxiety wasn't part of the picture, what would you do is a really great question for people to ask. Well, anxiety might be part of the picture. You can do it anyway. You Mm. just might need a little bit of extra support. I love that. And I'm going to share the story of how we met as well. We were at this conference, but I met you on the street, <laughs> literally. <laughs> yes. um, this is what's so gr- crazy or serendipitous, I suppose, about how it happened is that and growing a business, as you'd well known, I, yeah. I'd been having struggles about lack of certainty, not knowing what's going to happen here, not knowing planning and building something that you don't know what it's going to be yet. And I'd just been feeling that that day. And anyway, we, I was a little lost to get to the hotel and you directed and we got chatting about what you did. And then I just listened to your podcast. I love the work that you do. I know that so many people, and this is what's amazing about podcasts, is that somebody can get something that can transform their day, shift their thinking, help them get out of a maybe a little bit of a funk or a feeling that they've got in their earphones or in their car and and jump in and just instantly feel just that little bit better. Uh, And to me, if we can create that through podcasts and get into people's living rooms and their cars and they're, you know, on their walk and they're getting that, 
what a powerful tool. Like what yeah. a powerful tool is podcasting. So I want to thank you for creating that for people and me. Yes. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. I'm proud of myself because my anxiety said, don't do it. It's too risky. It's too, and it's funny, isn't it? I've spoken to thousands of people in an audience mm. up on stage and I, I'm so purpose-driven. I get a bit anxious, but not too much. I'm in that Goldilocks zone that you need as a speaker. And and it's not something that is terrifying for me like it is for some people. But the idea of recording myself and it being evergreen, being out there in that sense of permanence. And what if I say the wrong thing? Or what if I don't ask the right questions? Or what if, what if, what if, which is what anxiety will do. Mm. And Craig Harper, who has another podcast called The You Project. He, I've been a guest for him many, many times. And I, I say tongue in cheek, I made the mistake of sort of saying to Craig, hey, this is what I'm doing. And then he was just like, when's it coming? When's it coming? And so I did Seth Godin's podcasting course. And I think it was part procrastination. <laughs> <laughs> I just need to be well equipped to start this podcasting journey. And he said, make something meaningful for some. And I thought that I can do. Yes. That I can do. If five people listen, that's like having the attention of everybody in a packed elevator. So it just so happens that a few more people have started listening. <laughs> how many exactly? Because it's way more than five. Do you know how many your numbers are at now? I do. I do. I've published 105 episodes and I think I haven't looked in the last couple of weeks, but last I looked, I think it was about 160,000 downloads Amazing. from all over the world. Amazing. So it's, just, it's just incredible. And people write to me and just say, you've helped me get through this, or I felt like I was alone, or I appreciate that point of view, or just words of thanks, as you would know, Lauren. It means a lot because you we're recording this, we hear each other. Mm. And then this episode will go out into the the world of podcasting via Apple and Spotify. You don't know where it's going to land. No. You don't know who's going to listen. And so for a listener to reach out to say, hey, that helped, it's really reassuring. It's really nice to hear that and uh, reaffirms because um, it's a labour of love. Yes, it really is. <laughs> and you do it yeah. because you do want to help. You really do do it because you want to help people through the conversations and the connections that you have with others. Yes. And that's the, that's yeah. the power of, of having a purpose beyond yourself yeah. too. Exactly. So I want to chat about the Rocket Round. Rocket Round's a bit of fun. Um, yes. I'm trying to like to just ask a few questions at the end that are a bit lighthearted to learn more about you as well. Okay. Um, so the first question is favourite holiday destination? Oh, gosh. Okay. Favourite holiday? Locally in Victoria, bright. I love, love, love bright any season, but mostly summer. Mm -hmm. I love nothing more than floating down the Ovens River on a lilo down the rapids. Nice. <laughs> it's so fun and so relaxing and just feels like just such a holiday for me. Overseas though, London. I just love London. My brother lives there. I had the joy of visiting him a bit earlier in the year. So nice. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And uh, coffee or wine? Coffee. Coffee. Nice. And Definitely. what book are you reading at the moment? At the moment, I'm actually reading one of my daughter's books because I've run out of books. It's called Five Feet Apart yeah. and it's been made into a motion picture and it's about 
two young people with cystic fibrosis who can't get too close because they might cross-infect one another. Oh, so, I love that. I've seen this yeah, show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So she she had the book and I'm like, okay, I need fiction because if I read non-fiction before bed, my mind just goes ping. Yeah, me too. <laughs> me too. Yeah. Because then it's you get ideas of how to implement it in your own life and business and then those ideas flow all through the night. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And uh, what podcast do you listen to or what podcast are you listening to right now? Oh, uh, the last episode I listened to in my headphones was Mama Mia's No Filter. Oh, yeah. Okay. I haven't yes. listened to that one, but I have heard of it. Um, and I do. Gil, do you sometimes record them here, Mama Mia's episodes sometimes? Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Oh. There you go. Very cool. Yes, yeah. Really open, honest, authentic conversations with fascinating people. So oh, I yeah, love it. I really enjoy that. Yeah. And uh, cats or dogs? Oh my gosh, dogs. Dogs. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Poor cats. <laughs> uh, and look, what are the ways, and this is a, a really important one for people listening that, that may want more support or insights, what are ways we can su- firstly support you and your business, but also maybe people listening can get further information, how help or support that they might need? Oh, thank you, Lauren. Yes, look, I think I think the thing I really want to say is if, if you're at all worried about your anxiety or someone you care about, please see your GP. That's really the very best thing that you can do. And if yes, and I also want listeners to know that if you if you do find that yes, there is there is an issue or an anxiety disorder gets diagnosed, as overwhelming as that can feel in the beginning, it's such a gift because it's so treatable. Yes, and so I just wish that I'd had the help and the knowledge and the insights long before mine ended up put me out of out of action for a number of weeks with my or months really with depression. So for for me, yes, if you wanted to contact me or reach out, then connect through LinkedIn, of course, or on Instagram. I love I love Instagram. I'm not on TikTok. My daughter says I should put you on TikTok, Mum, but I'm like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I could employ her to start doing that for me. There you um, go. Yeah, and the podcast is well, Hello Anxiety. And you'll find that on your favorite podcasting platform. So yeah, lots of ways. Just Dr. Jody Richardson, Jody's spelt with an I. You'll find me. Oh, thank you so much for coming on as a guest. Absolutely loved having you in our chats. And thank you for being so real and authentic as well. It's so helpful for our guests as well. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure. And thank you for the work that you do because being a business owner and juggling business life and and also for those listeners that are parents, it's it's not easy. And conversations like this really just make us all feel a lot less alone and yeah. really well supported. So thank you for the work that you do as well. And oh, thank you for thanks. Having me. Thanks, Dr. Mm. Jody. And as always, I say, please, if you like our podcast and you feel like somebody that you know could benefit from the insights that we've shared, we want to help more people build doors in their careers and build and businesses. So please share the podcast, like, subscribe, rate and review. I love reviews. So if you can leave a review, it fills my little cup as well and makes me know that there's listeners out there that are getting something from the podcast. So thank you so much, Dr. Jody. And uh, yeah, we'll have in the links and things like that ways that you can also follow and listen to Dr. Jody's podcast. Thanks so much. Oh, thanks, Lauren. Thanks for listening to Building Doors. If you've got comments or questions, send them to hello at buildingdoors.com.au. And remember to subscribe, rate and review. See you next time.